Alex loved Paul and Maggie, but he loved Alex more. So he was willing to do some things to his own family to create this distraction. I think that that, that September incident made the world and made investigators realize that he was not a victim of a vigilante, that there was something more to Alex Murdoch. And that's when his downfall truly began. Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we're all just trying to survive in a rough world. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in true crime. It's not just a tagline. It is our reality. And once again, you will see it play out with this esteemed panel that I'm about to introduce. But first, we all know by now that Alec Murdoch went from prominent South Carolina attorney to convicted killer. And in his wake, it seems like the entire low country was affected. Uh, the case of Mallory Beach's untimely death in a boating accident. It is headed to a civil trial come this summer, uh, which is very soon. Uh, it comes also at the same time that authorities say the investigation into Stephen Smith's death, now ruled a murder, uh, is heating up as well. Without further ado, best guests. He's been on the show before. Happy to have him back. Obviously, much better read than I am, as you can tell by his bookshelf. He is Hampton County native Michael M. DeWitt Jr., a multiple award-winning journalist and longtime editor of the 143-year-old the Hampton County Guardian. He is also the author of the brand new book, Wicked Hampton County. If you have not been on the Amazon, get on the Amazon and order Wicked Hampton County. His boots on the ground coverage of the Murdoch crime saga was published in print and online around Gannett's nationwide USA Today network. He's been on all the shows to discuss it, ABC's 2020 CBS is 48 Hours, Dateline, NBC. That is the uh, holy trinity of true crime right there, as well as Netflix documentary uh, shows to discuss the Alec Murdoch case. Uh, Amy Lawrence Lovely, what can we say about her except we hope she does not drop too many F-bombs because it messes with my algorithm. Uh, hopefully she uh, stays, uh, I don't know, a PG for this. She... Uh, is an attorney's attorney fighting for the civil rights of the wrongfully accused every day in her practice at the lovely law firm uh, named in part for her husband, who's her partner. Amy, as I like to say every time, she was on MTV's Teen Mom 2. I don't even know what that means. And she's appeared on the Dr. Phil show. Uh, Taylor Bell, he is focused on representing criminal defendants ever since his student days at the University of South Carolina School of Law where he received his Juris Doctor degree in 2011. He worked at the Public Defender's Office for six years before moving to a private firm. And in 2015, he received intensive additional training in the art of jury persuasion. So be careful with Taylor uh, Bell. A very quick side note. So I had an agent when I was in the news business for many, many years. I had not talked to him in like, three or four years, but I had a question. We had to connect today. He is a South Carolinian. And what does he tell me? He was in the same fraternity as Alec Murdoch at the exact same time. What a small world. So, and then he had to jump off the phone of all things. So 
He could be a good source for Michael DeWitt, and I'm going to follow that call back up and find out what that was like. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Insta, Twitter. We are at Podcast STS. You can also now, once again, listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Support us at Patreon. Become a YouTube member. The merch store is open. Without further ado, uh, Michael, welcome back to you. Um, Wicked Hampton County sounds a little frightening. What is uh, the premise of the book, Michael? Well, uh, thank you for having me back, and uh, <clears throat> I'm uh, nice to, to meet everyone. Good to be back. I'm glad you asked me about the title because a lot of people have gotten the misconception that um, <clears throat> I am, like I just created this title and I'm calling my, my hometown wicked because of the Murdoch crime saga and, and everything that's been associated with Hampton County. But it's actually part of a national series. The History Press and Arcadia Publishing, they have several um, <clears throat> a series of books. And Wicked is one of them. There's a Wicked Charleston, Wicked uh, two Wicked Charleston volumes, Wicked Savannah, Wicked Beaufort, Wicked Greenville. And uh, I haven't explored to see, uh, you know, where you can find them. But um, I'm sure there are thousands of, of these titles in their, in their brand. So when I started writing this book years ago, I finished it recently, and it just fell naturally into that wicked series that the History Press publishes. So don't be fooled by, um, you know, don't be afraid to come to Hampton County next week and see us doing the, the Watermelon Festival. We're not all wicked, you know. <laughs> and, and, I mean, but what do you what do you cover in the book um, from, you know, first chapter to the final chapter? Is it is it historical? It is a history book. Um, over the past year, I've written two history books. Uh, Wicked Hampton County is the first one, and it uh, covers pretty much all of Hampton County's history since it was carved out of Beaufort County, and it kind of sets the stage for where the Murdoch dynasty came from. There's a great deal of Murdoch history in this book, uh, going back to the Civil War, um, but it also includes things like our our civil rights struggles and uh you know, we used to have um, the Klan used to be here in our area and uh, Hampton County was basically like the wild west of, uh, of the low country or at least our community was much like the wild west that you see on television, gunfights and, and things of that nature. <clears throat> Lots of moonshining. So it's kind of a prequel to Fall of the House of Murdoch. Fall of the House of Murdoch is all about the Murdoch dynasty. Well, if we were Star Wars fans, uh, Wicked Hampton County kind of sets the stage and the landscape of where the Murdochs came from. And uh, did you find any, when you, were, when you were researching the history of the Murdochs, did you find any other corruption in the lineage? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a journalist. I try to, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to tell both sides of the story. No no character is all good. No character is all evil. Um, so I hope in, in, in Fall of the House of Murdoch even more than in Wicked Hampton County, I hope you'll see that the Murdoch dynasty was a very complicated dynasty. There was greatness there as far as great talent. There, was great, there were great deeds they did for their communities. And there was also great corruption. Um, so uh, 
the first generation um, of Randolph Murdochs who held the solicitor's office. He was more or less clean cut, very ambitious. He built the dynasty. The alleged corruption begins to come in in Alex Murdoch's grandfather, Buster Murdoch. He was accused of everything, and this is in both books, actually. Uh, he was accused of everything from tax evasion to stealing from clients. Um, of course, this big moonshine conspiracy, he went to uh, went on trial in federal court in Charleston um, and was acquitted. About 29 or 30 bootleggers and, and uh, other officials went to federal prison and he was the only one that, that, that of note that got away uh, scot-free. So, oh, he was also accused of stealing a woman's cows. I've left that part out. You'll read all about that and follow the House of Murdoch. So if you can imagine a, 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 a allegations against a public official, he was accused of, of almost everything, but he always got away scot-free. The Murdoch power and connections were, were awesome. And uh, so that's where, that's where the, 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 the taint begins to fall on the Murdoch name. And one final question, because I'm curious, how do you do all this research? I mean, does this require going to the county library and looking through archival records? Um, how, how did you find all this stuff out? Well, I've been uh, I've been fortunate uh, as editor of the newspaper. I've inherited um, the research from previous editors. I've inherited the archives. So I'm. Um, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I started working on Wicked Hampton County years ago uh, as editor of the, the newspaper. Um, I'm sitting around this, this dusty old office with all of these um, hundred year old uh, archives. And on rainy days, I just start digging. And I actually published a, my first history book in 2015. And it was all about the great things that, uh, that are associated with Hampton County. And in the process of researching that book, I found all this wickedness and corruption. So as a rainy day project, I go through these archives and what I couldn't find in our newspaper archives, I'd go to the local library or the county museum and I'd just uh, go to the courthouse and dig up uh, old court records. And it's, it's all right there if you uh, put a little work and a little research into it and you know how to, how to bring a story to life, it's all right there. And that, my friends, is called a real journalist. Uh, once again, unlike myself, unlike most broadcast journalists, uh, print guys, they dig in in dusty offices. They get to wear hats. Those cool hats behind you, by the way, Michael, hanging. Um, Thank you. And uh, that's how you get real information from guys like Michael DeWitt. Um, by the way, uh, I'm sure that Taylor Bell, uh, significantly younger than me, has heard of T-Pain. I thought this person's name was I'm Not In Pain. I had never heard of the rapper T-Pain. Still could not name a single song, but this is I Am Not T-Pain, the rapper. Taylor, I wanted to clarify that for you in case. Have you heard of T-Pain, Taylor? Is that like uh, asking? If absolutely. My college days. Absolutely heard of T-Pain hanging okay. out in uh, Miss Amy Lovely's uh, place of Myrtle Beach up there at uh, Club Kryptonite. <laughs> And it all catches up with you. Suddenly, I'm the old guy with the white in my beard. It's it's not fun. Um, Amy Lawrence Lovely, perhaps the most important question I will ask all evening. 
I'm I'm a Jersey guy, and I said Low Country. Is that remotely like? Do you have to say Low Country in a certain way to be uh, accepted by South Carolinians? Someone once told me it's one word, like Low Country. I, I just want to say this: I could hear Michael. I could just listen to Michael talk all day long. I <laughs> love your accent. I will never have that accent. It makes me so sad. I'm a North. I'm from North Carolina. So I'm a South Carolina transplant. I've been here for 16 years, but I'm always so jealous of that accent. You know, it's like when I hear a, a low country um, attorney get up and I say, Yana, may I please the court? And I'm just like, oh, I'm Mel. I love it. I love every bit of it. Um, I, you know, I don't want I, you guys I, to get offended, but I had no idea you had different accents. But go on, Amy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Myrtle Beach is all transplants. There's very few people that are actually from here. So you've got a mixture of like Yankee, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, all this stuff. But like when you get from Charleston and down, you get that low country accent. And I could just I could just listen to it all day long. Mm. Wow. Um by the way, T-Pain's thing, the question was, how close are we to seeing justice for Steve? And we're going to get there tonight, uh, slowly but surely. Laura Waldy here. Uh, what's up, Joel? Best guest in SCS Nation. I sure hope Mallory Beach and uh, Stephen Smith get justice. Their families have been waiting a long time. So let, let's start to get into it. Um, a judge, uh, Amy Lawrence Lovely, just came out and told Alec Murdoch to buzz off after he asked the court to consider uh, his motion to be able to pay his legal fees from money in his 401k. Uh, and the judge, as I said, told him no way. Uh, is that any surprise to you? No, absolutely no surprise. I mean, we know that um, Jim and um, Dick were paid like, what, 600000 for that? They should have got Amy Z. Should have got Amy Z. I think she could have won it. I'm joking. Um, uh, he already got paid 600,000. There are so many victims. I mean, they're all lined up. And the idea that we would give this man um, a nickel more than what he already got out of his estate is just, I think it's just unconsciousable knowing all the people that he ripped off and hurt and, and everything, you know, after. It's just, I was not surprised at all. Taylor, were you surprised at all? Correct me if I'm wrong. He the 401k was busted into initially to pay for the initial trial. Correct. Correct. And, and I'm glad you brought that able, up. Taylor. They were able to bust in to pay for the initial trial at the trial level. And they're now, they, they now sought to uh, get into those funds to pay for appellate uh, purposes. Right. Uh, Correct. And, and I, there is my understanding. So I'm not surprised. Uh, I think the order previously was these these funds would be set aside for the trial purpose. And the purpose of that kind of was that the other remaining portions would go towards uh, the victims of, towards restitution of the victims in, in the other cases. And I think that's kind of what the judge, hey, you already had your chance at using some of these funds for that. And the agreement was now you are coming back, trying to take more money from the victims. Uh, they, they allowed them to do it the first time because the victims would have never been able to touch that money to start with. But because they were agreeing to it, that's how it was used the, at the trial level. So I'm, I'm not surprised at all because the initial agreement was what it was. 
And uh, just to clarify exactly what Taylor was just saying, so his legal team, good old Poot and uh, Jim Griffin, said that they spent over uh, $600,000 that they were able to access from his retirement account for the double murder trial. Um, Taylor, just uh, offhanded here, uh, $600,000, I know that's what you get paid per trial, but uh, does this seem like an exorbitant amount? Um for this trial that you witnessed in real time for six weeks, or does that seem years like a fair ago, number? Years ago, I was appointed to a murder trial in Lexington County, South Carolina, after the individual had gone through numerous lawyers. Um, I got appointed by the court, and there was a cap of, I believe, $3,500 that I tried a two-week murder trial for. Um, let's just say that they got more than enough to pay for that trial. Um, again, could have been serviced better by, by Amy Z, I believe. Uh, I think she's already had a not guilty recently. Right. Um, since then. Could have had two, Taylor Bell. Could have had Sean Kent. Ah, you know. Not a murder lawyer. Not, mm. you know, but. At the end of the day, um, yeah, I mean that's. I mean, I, I, I've, I've never quoted. I've never quoted somebody six hundred thousand dollars for a murder trial. Um, no, but I'm going to start. I'm going to start now. I'm going to start. <laughs> Megan, look still, here. Still uh, I mean, Taylor. Look, look at Megan Baldwin. Aw, Taylor Bell, love exclamation. I, if that's not your wife, you better be careful. But um, Michael Dewitt, <laughs> to you. Um, so exactly once again to Taylor's point, Alec Murdoch now reportedly needs an additional hundred and sixty thousand dollars for his appeal. And uh the judge had the judge had already denied this motion from Alec Murdoch once. Now it appears that he has done it at least a second time. But to you, um, from hum humble Hampton County, what about these figures? I mean, this would be seven hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Um what is that money for? Do you have any idea, Michael? Yeah, uh, Taylor's absolutely right. The uh, There was roughly $1.2 million in this 401k, and the receivership that was established by the court to seize his assets and, um, you know, start building a fund for these victims, it couldn't touch the 401k until it was liquefied. Once it was liquidated, I mean liquidated, then uh, the courts could seize it. So they worked out a deal where uh, Alex's attorneys got 600000 and the victims got a little over 400000 And that was to go to pay for the trial, you know. And their claim was the trial went longer than expected. Six-week trial. Uh, they, they used their own money is what they claimed in legal filings. They used their own money to pay for, um, to pay for making copies or whatever. Um, but then again, they stayed in, in, uh, a grand, uh, estate while they were there. They didn't stay at the, at the comfort Inn while they were in Waldenburg for six Wasn't it like 25 grand a week? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't dig deep into that story, but it was something like they rented out a, a whole, Gated community almost and a wedding venue. Uh, yeah. And uh so it was like twenty-five K a week or something like that. And um so long story short, the, the, the judge granted the first request, six hundred K, 
here you go, 424K to the victims. And now they're coming back and saying, okay, we need 160000 to pay for Alex's appeal or he'll be forced to rely on a public defender and they're already overworked and understaffed and, and, uh, and all this kind of stuff. And the judge, he didn't even go into detail when he denied it. It was a constitutional argument to be made when they first filed a request saying, hey, he's entitled to use these funds for his own defense. You can't deny him a constitutional right to defense. But their claim was also that these these funds were untainted, that he didn't steal them. He earned them honestly, which can be debated. When the judge denied it most recently, he didn't even really give a reason. And I think the reason is, okay, you've already come to the table. You've already made an agreement and you should have asked for more the first time around. So now we're going to stick with this agreement. That's the way I, I understand. I tend to agree 100%. Now, if I, I want to butt in there a little bit on something that I've noticed some people saying, well, he should just have to go with a public defender. Look, at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you some of the attorneys in our Office of Indigent Defense are going to do a better job in an appellate process than any private attorney out there. Uh, you know, so the idea that people are saying he should have to go with these overworked or overburdened folks, um, we've got some pretty darn good lawyers that are there in the Office of Indigent Defense uh, that, that'll put up a, a pretty good a pretty good defense in terms of his his appellate rights. So, you know, I, I kind of take issue having been a public defender before at the the way that they're being condescending towards our Office of Engineering Defense. There's things wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, when they, when they well, he's just got to go with a public defender. I, what's what's Bob's last name? It just escaped me. Uh, uh, that's the smartest mofo I have ever spoken to in my life like yeah, he yeah, wishes the people in there he could get i mean like we like you would if you ha had to have an appeal you would that's who you would want if i want somebody arguing in front of the supreme court i want one of them they're in front of the supreme court every single week every After single week watching that they didn't this is the deal i don't think i think it's very hard to be um objective at critiquing your own transcript. I think that's really sure. a hard thing 100%. to do. And um, I didn't see them, I didn't see them dazzle anyone. And I didn't see them preserve 99% of the objections, right? They did they didn't preserve them for the record, which means that they're not they don't even come into play. So I I, I don't know. I just I would I wouldn't want them as my appellate attorneys to be so, honest with you. Neither would I, as well as PCR. But I, I have the underlying question also is, you know, we've already had the Supreme Court make findings of fact based on factual information that came into this trial prior to the trial based on Alex's law license. I I question how much I question how 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 much of an opportunity he's really going to have before an appellate court that's already made a factual finding based on his admissions um, in the uh, in the I think it was a judgment that that he he, he issued pr prior to the trial in order to try to, try to get a, yeah. Uh, yeah and tried to get a, a lower bond in front of 
in front of Judge Lee um, in that matter. But, you know, they, they've already made a, f- a factual finding based on admissions there. And then they're going to be the ones sitting in review. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, it's going to be messy. It's going to be a messy appellate record, in my opinion. Uh, Allison, Allison Miller here. Uh, look at this. Yay, Michael DeWitt. I love Wicked Hampton County. Uh, people go out and buy that book on the Amazon. As I said, Catherine joining us from Hawaii. Aloha. Joel, STS Nation and best guests. Patricia Ann Ryan. Hi from Virginia. Uh, and I love this one. Ooh, Amy with the mouth is here. Yes, she is. And followed by Yay. Amy's here. Love that spicy language. I asked her to I tell tried. me. I tried. I said mofo, okay? <laughs> I love how they call her language spicy and me just rude. Yeah, yeah exactly. Marina is in uh, the south of Spain, a friend of the show. She is here uh, in full force. Now, Amy, I know I've asked you this, but I don't think I've asked Michael or Taylor. Uh, now that we've had time to process uh, this verdict, Three-letter word is still unanswered, uh, as Amy Lawrence Lovely would say in her accent, why? Uh, Michael DeWitt, have you given any more thought as to why this all happened? Was it money, greed? Uh, Was he ashamed of his son? Was he covering something up? What do you think the motive behind these murders was? I was was doubtful at first with the the whole uh, motive that the state put forward. And I sat there almost every day of that trial and I listened and I watched and I could read people. I think they had it spot on. I think they didn't go deeply into drugs as a motive, but I think the drug addiction, which Alex exaggerated, nobody's taking that many pills and walking around. Um, but a liar is going to lie. Uh, I think drug alcohol has made me do some crazy things and and make some bad decisions. Uh, so I can imagine, uh, pills, uh, you're already in an altered state, so you're not, um, going to make the best decisions possible, whether you're in, whether you're high or whether you're in withdrawals. But I think the, the, the motive was spot on. Look at the facts. He's a personal injury lawyer. Mark Tinsley said it on the stand. Nice people get verdicts. If he's portrayed to the world as the victim of a vigilante, no jury anywhere in the low country is going to say, okay, Alex Murdoch, you have to cough up $10 million in this boat crash case. Um, I think there are a lot of factors in play. I think uh, Alex was, you know, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. I don't know if he's a sociopath or a psychopath. But I think as John Metter said in his closing argument, Alex loved Paul and Maggie, but he loved Alex more. So he was willing to do some things to his own family to um, create this distraction. Uh, just think about all the things that happened in the short term after their deaths. Automatically, everyone stopped asking questions. Oh, my God, Alex, are you OK? Let's circle the wagons. Let's let's, uh, you know, protect Alex. Find out who, who are they coming for next? And um, so he got he got sympathy. It, he got a distraction. They stopped asking questions. And as Mark Tinsley said on the stand, if that would have made, be, 
maintained itself as a status quo, then the boat crash case is going to get is going away. He's going to drop it. They're going to dismiss it or drop it. And um, once the boat crash case goes away, nobody's asking questions. Nobody's digging into his finances. Um, this for 13 years, he'd been stealing money and all that remains hidden if that boat crash case goes away. So unfortunately, the the ladies at the law firm, his own paralegal, uh, the CFO, they kept digging and they found these checks laying around on his desk and they found more information and they confronted him in September. And once again, as Creighton Waters said, when um, the the hounds are at the door, when Hannibal's at the gates, uh, Alex Murdoch chooses violence. So once again, he was um, confronted and he uh, faked or attempted his violence on the side of the road in September. That's when the whole thing went to hell in a handbasket, uh, to use the spicy language that Miss Lovely <laughs> enjoys. Uh, you know, if he if things would have remained on the down low, I think the boat crash would have went away. None of this would have happened, or it would have been a long time before it was discovered. I think that 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 September incident made the world and made investigators and everyone else realize that he was not a victim of a vigilante. That there was something more to Alex Murdoch. And that's when his downfall truly began. And uh, Taylor, how about you? Have you given more thought? Do you agree with what Michael's saying? Anything else about motive here? I'm going to agree with the, the idea that the years of drug use, the years of alcohol use, all, the, I think, you know, you saw it through his, his, his youngest son, the alcohol use. I think he used alcohol. I think he used drugs. Now I'm not saying to the extent that, that, that was portrayed. Um, but anyone that takes opioids for a long period of time is going to cloud their mind. Uh, it's going to cloud their, they're not going to think straight and it's not going to be rational thoughts at what they do. And I think a lot of that uh, stood out uh, to me uh, when Judge Newman made the comment at the end that maybe it wasn't you. Uh, not the person that's standing before me being the sober person, uh, but the person that lived in this altered reality due to drug use. Um, and I think drug addicts, anyone that's an addict tries to manipulate the situation. Uh, and that's what Alex was doing, was trying to manipulate the situation, cover up things. And, and ultimately, I, I think something went wrong down at the kennels. I think there was an intent to kill somebody. I don't know if it was both, but I think something went wrong. Uh, and he, it was an intent to kill one. I, I don't know which one, but there was an intent to kill somebody there. Uh, whether one was there and one wasn't supposed to be there. I, I'm, I'm unsure in my thoughts, but uh, he then had to continue to cover up uh, and, that that's what it all led to his his clouded mind and, and irrational thought process thinking he could get away with it. But a lot of what Michael is saying, I 100 percent agree with with that. Well put. Um, Shelly Hill for you, Michael. How does Michael DeWitt Jr. feel about becoming such a public figure? I've seen him in so many things. I feel related to him. He is great. Uh, so your sister Shelly is asking. 
<laughs> How's it feel, Michael? Um, I, I wouldn't consider myself a public figure. I'm trying to, I'm trying to continue to be a professional journalist and, um, and cover the story. I turned down, uh, I may have mentioned this before. I turned down a lot of, uh, interviews, uh, for the first year after the boat crash or year and a half, I turned down, um, you know, the national media and, and television. I, I, I did my job. I wrote my stories. I reported on the story, but I didn't want to get in front of a camera for a lot of reasons. And uh, it just, you know, people, folks in my company and folks in my community kind of talked me into it. And they said, hey, these people from New York and California and all around the world are coming here and they're telling our story and uh, they're not getting it right. You know, um, nobody knows our story like like we do. And uh, so I agreed to do the first TV interview. I think it was a uh, CBS 48 hours and they were super nice people. It was a good experience. If that would have been a horrible experience, if they'd have been a, a bunch of rude Yankees, um, you know, I probably wouldn't have done any any more. Um, but they were um, just as, as, you know, sweet as they could be. And uh, um, it was a good experience. I didn't say anything stupid and in front of the TV and they didn't make me look too bad. And so I, you know, when the next interview came along, I said, OK, I, I'll do it. You know, um, just don't make me look too bad. Cut out the stupid parts. And um, then once you do one, they just kind of keep coming. And um, I, I have tried to say no to some of them and they. They say, come on, man, come on, man. So I, I you know, I, I, I talk to them, um, but I haven't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't ask for any compensation, never been offered any compensation. I won't even let the, them uh, pay for my gas or um, the TV uh, crews have offered to put me up in a hotel room. And so, I, so I'll be comfortable and I don't accept any of that kind of stuff. I'm just there to do a job as a journalist. And, um, you know, I'm sure that, eventually all this will, will go away and I still have to get back to life as, as normal here in Hampton County. And, um, you know, I may not have as many friends as I did, but as editor of a, of a small town paper, you don't have a whole lot of friends to start with. So I'm not really worried about that. <laughs> so he's, he's a, a print journalist an ethical one at that. And by the way, I texted him last night and I said, come on, Michael, come on, come on my show. And he finally gave in and decided to come on the show. Uh, by the way, uh, Amy Lawrence, you're right. He has a way better accent than you. Uh, it's a wonderful book, Allison. Allison writes. He does a great job telling the history with stories and includes old articles. Not five stars, but 10 out of 10. I wish I would get 10 out of 10 stars for this podcast. Uh, you know, Buzz Off Brad gave me one, which I'm still holding a grudge against. But uh, what can you do? Moving on here to Stephen Smith. Um, Fitz News. I want to give them a shout out because they've been breaking a lot of news regarding this. But there is a uh, active, according to them, statewide grand jury going on in Columbia, South Carolina, actively investigating the 2015 homicide of Stephen Smith. This is according to uh, multiple sources. Um, Amy Lawrence Lovely. What goes on? Uh, you know, we heard about this grand jury uh, indictment. I don't want to get politics involved at all. That was related to, to Trump. And you hear about this all the time. But what's going on right now uh, in Columbia, South Carolina with this grand jury? What, what sorts of things are they looking at and doing? 
wouldn't we all like to know? Um, because it's sure very secret. Uh, grand grand juries are very secret. They're not, the, they're not for public record. There's no transcripts, um, and they keep it that way. But what we do know is is that the prosecutors are bringing in witnesses. Um, the grand jury is hearing testimony from those witnesses. They're evaluating evidence, and then at the at the end of that pre presentation um, of testimony and witnesses, they'll decide whether or not they're going to indict, right, so and bring charges. We we actually do have transcripts in state grand jury cases. Um, at county grand juries, we don't, but we do at state grand jury cases. Oh. And yeah, you, you can you can go five blocks from my office. They won't you to get a to get one printed. Holy cow! They want an arm and a leg. Um, to the cost of them, and you can go there and you can you can review them. But we do have we'll have transcripts from the state grand jury. Um, will we have them after? The attorneys will have them. Um, and that's how that's how you're going to review your discovery. I've, I've worked several of the the, the prison uh, cases uh, involving. Uh, we had one called Operation Cash Cow that, that I've worked. Um, oh, yeah. There, there's there's transcripts from uh, from those. I worked Operation Hot Toddies, which was a human trafficking one um that you're going to be able to see what these witnesses had to say um so so we'll we'll find out a lot more we won't have access to it probably until after the trial i, I can imagine um i think only attorneys will be able to have access to it um in the discovery and it you actually the attorney general's office has you sign a uh confidentiality uh on discovery unlike the county uh Correct cases. Uh, you don't have to sign a non-disclosure. Uh, you know, not going to turn over the evidence to your client type stuff that you do in federal court. State grand jury works very, very similar to uh, to to that. Um, you know, I'm I'm interested. I think you're going to have a lot of um, a lot of folks in law enforcement subpoenaed. Uh, and asked hard questions uh, as to the manner in which this case, the, the Stephen Smith case, transferred from agency to agency and why the investigation didn't move forward. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot of questions about that. Um, because I, I have people want to know, right? You know, it. it's my understanding that it was all now hit and run is a homicide. Like we don't have, we have murder, right? But uh, it was initially investigated as a hit and run is my, is kind of my understanding um, is what I do know and what I've heard about it and what I've read, you know, that we do have, you know, hit and run with death. Right. And, and the, Highway Patrol does investigate stuff of that nature. Now, if, if there was some kind of foul play, maybe another agency needed to get involved and they were shunned away is kind of what I've heard. And it stayed with Highway Patrol. Michael, you may be able to correct me if I'm wrong because you probably have more details. But I, I'm thinking that we're going to get a lot of individuals that were in charge down in that troop or that uh, that region with that highway patrol 
uh, in there as to what what was done and whether there was any outside influence potentially on, on the process. Um, and I'm, I, I'm, that's that's my thoughts on what's going to happen here. And, and there could be some public corruption maybe uh, involved in the the manner in which it was investigated potentially uh, if they did things to curry favor to people and it gets found out about, maybe, maybe that's something they're, they're looking into. I've wondered. You know, it could be as complicated. It could be as like salacious as the Murdoch's were. I don't think the Murdoch's were involved, but the Murdoch's were involved whether, and we know that, um, Randy Murdoch offered to do the insurance, right? The personal injury part of it, um, pro bono. You know, we've heard um, evidence and testimony and we've seen, we've heard uh, all this stuff about how they would get cops to change accident reports. So it might be as salacious as all this other stuff, but it also might be as simple as he was a gay kid who got hit and nobody really cared which we see all the time. And, let's, and so we're going to be open to all of it. Yeah. That, let's hope that's not the case. Um, Michael. There's so much we don't know. And it is, it's, it's one of those things that I'm sorry, sorry there, Joel, but it's one of those things that it's sad that there weren't more resources put into it at the time to get answers for this kid that got killed. Whether it was accidental, not really. It, it can't be accident if you don't stop, but that that's, going to be a crime itself, but in terms of one way or the other, whether, whether there was an intentional motive behind, you know, the, some kind of bias towards, you know, his his sexuality, whether it was accidental based, but not stopped. I I don't know. Uh, But there should have been more resources from the beginning put into it. I can tell you this. If Buster Murdoch had gotten hit and killed, they'd have pulled out all the stops. I do know that. You're hundred percent correct. hundred percent correct. And that's, that's a big problem that we do have. Uh, again, I, I say that the resources that the government put into prosecuting Alec, I would love to see those same resources be put into lower level cases where my clients were absolutely hundred percent innocent and should have never been put to trial but because of really poor, shitty investigations, they pointed their finger at the first person possible instead of taking an entire, you know, investigative look at actually what happened. Like if this was done at a different level and they didn't really look into it, didn't pull actually all the the data from the phone, they didn't pull everything, which they don't necessarily do in lower level, non high profile stuff. And my, Clients as a public defender were shafted and set in jail for two years awaiting trial that eventually they have to plead to some lesser charge just to get out of jail. You know, I wish that type of resources were put into to other cases. Well, reading between the tea leaves, it definitely does not sound like they're investigating something that was unintentional. And speaking of that, uh, per Fitz News, um, I'm sure uh, Michael is reporting some of this, too. Uh, they are saying that it is increasingly increasingly likely that arrest warrants are going to be issued in connection with this eight-year-old case, uh, which gained international attention, of course, after uh, uh, the Murdoch crimes and specifically uh, the Murdoch murders uh, podcast. When that came out, I guess that elevated the profile 
Um, to you though, Michael, have you, has any of your reporting, um, let me leave it more open-ended. What are you hearing in terms of this uh, grand jury that's being convened in, in Columbia, South Carolina? Let me circle back to um, to what we, we were just talking about. I think uh, you guys are spot on in a lot of ways. I think that um, small community like Hampton doesn't have the best resources anyway. And, uh, you know, the Highway Patrol um, probably didn't put their best resources in little old Hampton County. And uh, whether because of who the who the young man was or not, that, that may have been a factor. Um, I think that, uh, you know, other agencies should have been brought on board. I don't know that, you know, I think Highway Patrol is a great, a great agency, uh, nothing against them, but I don't think they're, they're designed for complex criminal investigations. They're designed for accident reconstruction investigations and uh, things like digging into cell phones and digging into anything that's not a roadside accident is not their forte. So someone should have said, hey, we need SLED in, involved in this right now, you know. Um, I mean, it was a hot mess from the start. The, the Hampton County coroner first ruled it a gunshot wound, said, hey, I see two holes in his head. It was a gunshot wound. Um, so it was it was a hot mess from the start. The uh, there were there were, uh, you know, at least one trooper that really tried to get out there and, and, and dig and interview people. Um, God bless him. I just want to say yeah. God bless him, because yeah. with but for him going out, doing his investigation, recording everything that he did, documenting everything. We we'd be sitting here twenty years from now, still wondering what happened to Stephen Smith. But so God bless them because he begged for help. He he begged for it to be escalated. He begged for people uh, for sled to take it over, and it all fell on deaf ears. That's so get shut down. God bless that officer. Like did well, someone intentionally shut that down? Well, let, let's let's paint the picture right? right because he did a good job. But why didn't it move further from there? All right, you were talking about Todd Proctor, I believe his name is. Yeah. Um, I always try to put myself in the environment that these characters are working in. So the same week that Stephen died, we were hearing rumors all over the county about a possible Murdoch connection. So if the editor of the paper is hearing these rumors, and we don't know if there is a Murdoch connection or not. But whether smoke or fire. That's right. If the editor of the paper is hearing these rumors, then then it's all over the, the, the county. And that made it difficult for for him to do his job. Nobody wanted to talk to him. So that was the environment. That was a challenge he was up against, whether somebody officially shut it down or whether it was just the fact that no, people were afraid to talk to him. That was the environment he was working in. But what's kind of ironic is whether or not there's a Murdoch connection to this death or not, the Murdoch connection is what's going to solve this case. The fact that uh, that he's even loosely connected to Alex Murdoch is putting new spotlight, new enthusiasm on this case. Sled got a black eye during the trial. Murdoch's attorneys made him look uh, inept and, and, and incompetent at times. And because Sled they were, too. because they at were, times, at times they could have done a better job, I think. And once again, they were operating in an environment where they show up. And the son of a solicitor is there and they give him special treatment, perhaps because of who he is. 
You know, there's there's uh, attorneys from the law firm walking all over the crime scene and they don't treat it like they would treat a normal scene. So they've made some some mistakes, honestly. But now SLED wants to redeem themselves and they're putting some real effort and real time and money into this case. And to bring you back to your your uh, last question, I'm hearing the same uh, thing. I just talked to a couple of sources this week and just published a story. The grand jury, from what we're told, we can't confirm the grand jury, but from what my sources are telling me, um, including Eric Bland, that uh, subpoenas and warrants are being issued. They've got people with knowledge and responsibility, is the quote he gave me. Are um, they're, they're looking to talk to these people. And Eric feels like before Labor Day, we're going to have some public announcements in this case. And to me, that sounds like arrest. It sounds like, um, you know, they're bringing people in. Uh, of course, Fitz News has named a couple of persons of interest, which I, I haven't put their names out there in my reporting because they haven't been charged. Um, but Eric Bland, uh, the attorney, feels like before Labor Day, we're going to have uh, some some real movement in this case. And another source, which uh, very close to the investigation, has told me that it's not going to be what everybody wants to hear. We don't know for sure about this Murdoch connection, but based on the forensic evidence, based on the people that are taking a second look at this case, they're all in agreement from what I understand. The pathologist, I don't want to name any names, but they're all in agreement that Stephen died at the roadside. He was not killed somewhere else and dumped there. He died there. They're in agreement that it was a vehicular manslaughter and um, and not a baseball bat like we first heard years ago. Now, the question is, who did it and what are the details? Uh, more than likely, it was an alcohol-related thing. Somebody uh, hit the young man um, and uh, panicked and left. Is there a connection to the Murdochs? Is this a friend of the Murdochs? Well, this, that's the interesting thing about a story. You have to kind of wait around to the ending. So we're all going to kind of find out together, I guess. But. Well, Michael, uh, Eric Bland gave you more than he gave me. At the end of uh, May, he spoke to Court TV, and he said that uh, Mark Keel, who's the chief of uh, SLED, told him back then that subpoenas are being issued as well as warrants and that he thought a grand jury would be impaneled. Well, we know that's the case, but I reached out to Eric myself uh, last night and tried to get an update. He said, nothing other than progress is being made. And I believe that we're getting closer to an explanation being given by SLED. Um, I believe that they have four to five people uh, afraid of the world who they believe have information. So it looks like it's centering around uh, four or five people. Um, potentially. Uh, and I was hearing the same thing as what Michael was just talking about, that this happened at the uh, site of the accident. It, it, the body wasn't moved. Um, he was killed uh, at the site. So it's interesting to hear that. Um, it goes back to the investigation. Um, why weren't these people brought in in question eight years ago? Uh, if Buster Murdoch's name is mentioned over 40 times in this in these case files, whether he's connected or not, why didn't somebody knock on his damn door and say, hey, bub, let's talk? Um, I think, so I think he, they tried and got shut down by the law firm. 
Well, Mike, the, uh, Michael, what would what would happen? Just this is hypothetical. I'm not saying this is a case, but what if they arrested a Murdoch in this, uh, whether it be Buster or uh, you know another Murdoch? Uh, and again, this is a hypothetical. What would it do to Hampton County? What would it do to this whole story? Would it just ignite it again, light it on fire? Well, it, it, it can't do. You can't do more damage to Hampton County than it's already been done. I mean, if 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 Satan were to turn out to be the the ringleader at the law firm, um, you know, or if Satan were behind all this, you couldn't do any more damage to Hampton County. Uh, the that's the thing. I was just having this conversation with uh, in an interview with Forty Eight Hours last week. That would make this story so much more spectacular. Now, we need answers and we need closure for Stephen Smith's family and the community. And if it turns out to be okay, um, these people did it. They have absolutely nothing to do with the Murdochs. All that's well and good. The family has something they've been waiting on for eight years, um, something they deserve. They deserve answers. They deserve closure. But if it turns out to be in any way related to the, the Murdoch family, or God forbid, if it turns out to be true that, that a Murdoch actually did it, I think this story would explode. Can you imagine? I'm um, going to explode, Michael. I'm physically <laughs> going to explode if it, if it, if the Murdochs are like, did it. I'm I going mean, to like lose yeah. my shit and fall on the floor and explode. Well, remember, Buster categorically denies any involvement in this. And I don't want to accuse anyone or right. throw anyone under the bus. Obviously, the investigation uh, has to play out a quick detour here, Michael. Um, does anyone think that Alec will eventually admit to killing Maggie and Paul uh, as he is admitted to some of his financial crimes? You you know him or knew him. I guess you still know him. He didn't die. Uh, what's your gut tell you about that? Does he ever come clean one day? I don't think he will, unless there's some profit or some uh, legal or financial gain. I don't think he does. He he broke knowing the Murdoch's history and knowing the their family mentality. Um, Murdoch's have been accused of stealing in the past, but the Murdoch's love family. They love that family name. They uh, every generation, the father has raised the son at his knee and and brought him up to be a lawyer or a solicitor. And in times of, of trouble, the Murdoch's circle the wagons and use their power and influence to to make it all go away. Alex Murdoch did the unthinkable. If your last name is Murdoch, he killed one of their own. He killed two of their own. And um, that's something he'll never admit to. He does it. Uh, even though his, I'm sure his family has uh, some strong feelings. He'll never, in my opinion, look his family in the eye and say, yeah, I did it. Um, you know, he's that he would almost be, um, you know, you're no longer a Murdoch if you've done something like that, in my opinion. Interesting. Uh, Joey B., uh, Taylor B., for you, uh, where's the money? You'll not convince me that Alec Murdoch did not hide his stolen money somewhere offshore, et cetera. Uh, Taylor, do you believe, as uh, Amy is saying, yes, that that is the case, that he has money stashed away? Um, the money! Yeah. I'm, what do you I'm think, twisted. Taylor? I'm twisted by this. Um I think there's probably some family trust out there that are not necessarily in his name. I think his father probably had a trust where I think uh, there are other family members that are 
beneficiaries to those trusts. What you know, over the years, that's how money's passed down uh, in a system uh, like they're in, and they have the knowledge and access to that. So I imagine there's some of that out there. Um, but part of me also thinks that just the lifestyle that he was living uh, burnt through a lot. Uh, he was fr- he was flying private planes, uh, I think, to some South Carolina baseball games. I mean, a private plane's an expensive it's an expensive trip, and I think a lot of money he was just throwing around. Imagine the the, the lifestyle that that you know Paul lived. Paul the had access taxes. to everything. The property uh, taxes alone. I know. I agree. You know, I had I had a friend I was talking to uh, the other day, and, and he was telling me what his kids were spending on on their Amex and I and his Amex, and I said, "Are you kidding me?" Like I, I just my jaw dropped. I was like, and and I he he's not that wealthy, but he's got substantial uh, assets and income. And I can imagine that Paul had an Amex and he was out there, you know, going to eat every out every every night or, you know, stopping and living the lifestyle. And he just couldn't say no to his kids and they just burnt through money. Um, I'm not. But part I don't think there's buried money. Okay, I don't believe there's buried money. I believe there's trust out there that will take care of uh, Buster. And we'll take care of his brother. And, and I'm not going to necessarily say it's from Alex, but it, it's from generation to generation. Uh, and, and, you know, but I think a lot of it got busted on that that piece of property uh, that they, they just lost that was sold. So, uh, you know. I was just thinking of something that Michael was saying where he says he's got to put himself in, in sort of the environment where some of these investigators are. And Michael made me think. Um, we're talking about money, hidden money. Someone here says I'm more suspicious of John Marvin versus Randy, which I was going to ask you about, but I don't want to. My question to you is Hampton County is teeny tiny. Have you bumped into other Murdochs? And I'm assuming you have uh, since the verdict. What, what's it like for you in Hampton County, especially around that family? Uh, well, before the trial, I, um, I've never really had any problems. Um, now, uh, after all this coverage and, and everything, and I'm I'm on TV talking about their family, I haven't. Um, uh, uh, let me put it like this: at the beginning of the trial, John Marvin is walking around the courtroom. And he's talking to everybody, shaking hands. Hey, how you doing? He's acting like uh, he's there as a just a completely in this, uh, a complete bystander. That he's not at all connected to this this case and he's friendly and he's almost like a politician just shaking everybody's hands. And as the trial progressed, uh, that, that feeling kind of went away. Um, the Murdoch's kind of kept to themselves and, uh, you didn't see John Marvin walk around the courtroom shaking hands with anybody. So, um, I haven't really, I have talked to him since then. And, um, the, uh, it wasn't a, a negative, um, interaction, but, um, they're not going out of the way being friendly to, to to the media and everybody else right now. They're kind of staying in their own little world, and I can totally understand that. Well, I hope you're not getting your car towed every other week. But uh, Sarah wants to know, <laughs> does anyone know how Alec is doing in prison? Is he still in solitary? Uh, Michael, I think if anyone would know the answer, it would be you. Have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything other than the the, the – 
mail he's getting from the um, from females and um, the uh, you know getting getting a lot of fan mail. Getting uh, Netflix is trying to, to to get him to talk to him. Uh, a lot of uh, women, um, you know, uh, reaching out to him in prison, which I think is kind of a uh, it's kind of a thing that happens, I guess, sometimes with famous is, criminals. He's not still in solitary, is he? He's in protective custody, and I think what that means is uh, it pretty much most of the day he's he's by himself. He um, as time progresses, he'll have the same privileges that other um, inmates do, but he'll never be in general population. He might be in a setting where, and I don't know this for a fact. Um, but he may be in a, in a situation where he may be, uh, be in on, on a wing with, with a small number of inmates. But um, I, I think he will flourish in prison as long as oh, he's yeah. not solitary, right? Well, he especially will be, as a lawyer. Especially oh, as a he'll lawyer. be king of the castle. He'll be writing down appeals. He'll be like trading honey buns. He'll be giving legal advice. He'll be king of the castle, trust me. And it has been reported that he's got a tablet in his cell, which I can't believe. So he can actually FaceTime Buster, for example, if he wants to. I don't know how accurate that is, but that's they what all been have. Reported. They all have tablets there. Um, yeah, it's my understanding. It's my understanding that he's at McCormick. Is my understanding. Right. I was uh, I was up at prison uh, visiting a client not not too too long ago, and it was at Broad River, which is R and E, uh, and. Which is where Taylor, it's a good thing you know how to wrestle, as they say in South Carolina, because those prisoners probably like you a little I'm, bit, Taylor. And I, I tell you what, I'm not scared of those guys because I'm in there to help them. At the end of the day, I've been I've been in a jail cell when a riot broke out um, and they threw gas in the room. And my client stood at the door to make sure the fight that was going on, nobody got pushed into the door to the room that we were sitting there talking in. I sat there and watched a guy get it get his hair grabbed and literally smashed against the wall uh, at Alvin Esplan Detention Center when I was a public defender. And they pushed into the towards the door that I was sitting at and the raid uh, team came in uh, threw gas in the room. And my client stood there at the door to make sure nobody was coming in there. Most folks in there are, are good people. Okay. At the end of the day, at their heart, they did a lot of bad things, okay? But it doesn't make them a, a bad human being. And they know that I don't live the lifestyle that they they have grown up in. I would not be accustomed to that. Um, and he stood there and said, and, and he could see on my face, I was a bit concerned. He said, "It's I got the door. You know, it must be nice to be a man. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. And they weren't so good to me. Well, I think he, Taylor makes a good point. Not everyone in prison is a horrible human being. They just uh, made some horrible choices, I think. But, uh, Amy, this one's in your wheelhouse. Uh, from Shelly Raposa, how close to Operation Jackpot did the Murdoch family get? I've heard whispers that smuggling, and that has always been an allegation. We heard that $50,000 a week figure. Do you think there's other stuff we uh, don't know about that was going on at Moselle and uh, – this whole notion that maybe there was uh, some sort of smuggling ring going on. What say you, Amy? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. 
because there's just too many coincidences, right? The way they own those little islands, all the stuff put together, it's not. And I do not believe, I am 100% sure that Alec Murdoch was not a drug addict. I just don't believe it. I'm not saying he didn't pop pills every blue moon. It's like um, he was a fraternity boy um, drug addict. You know, when he if somebody had one, he'd take it. But like he was not popping pills every day. That's bullshit. Um, I, I have a friend who is a defense attorney in Columbia who called me and said, heads up. This is what I was told. I don't know if this is true. Allegedly and for educational purposes only. Do not sue me. <laughs> I was told that they had a client, a couple clients that had gotten caught with pills at school at USC. And um, they said, if you'll do a couple buys or tell us who you, who you got them from, we'll dismiss the charges, which we see all the time. Right, Taylor? All the and, time. Um, it came to light that who they were buying these pills from was Paul. And so they couldn't write him out and had to take a different kind of deal, like a conditional discharge or whatever that might be which makes sense to me. Like one of the things that we didn't hear about in the trial is um, when they searched Paul's house, his door was kicked open. His laptop was gone. Why do we not know that? And they didn't, that, from what I understand, they didn't search that house until two days after the murder. That should have been like probably, because he didn't live there. He lived, I think he lived with Rogan, right? Am I right, Michael? Which makes sense why... Alec would be calling Roro in the middle of a murder to get rid of the drugs, right? That would make sense. A logical, like, uh, hypothesis here or, you know, whatever. And then they go to the house that he shares with Rogan and the door is open, like it's been kicked in and personal effects are gone from the house. That doesn't, why do we not ask those questions? I, I keep going back to all the things that they didn't ask about in that trial. Why did they not ask those questions? Why did they not ask you know, we heard, I always joke around that the account with the gun um, got up there, was very fancy, and, and, and he's done all this forensic accounting, and nobody asked him, well, where did the money go? Where, we heard him all about how he stole, but where did it go? Because money that comes into bank accounts has to go out of bank accounts. It just doesn't make sense to me. And then you put it together with a law firm that only finds money when, they're stealing it, when he's stealing it from them. He stole it for decades, millions of dollars for decades from their clients and they didn't find it. But the minute he took their money, they figured it out. And the lady who let that all happen under her nose is still the CFO. Let me tell you something. If somebody stole $10 million under my nose, they'd be fired within about two seconds. Do you know what I mean? In my office. So all these things don't make any damn sense. And the question is why? Well, I bet you're, you're right. Why? The forensic accounting, I don't understand. I had a, what? $3 million wire, wire fraud case. Um, and they could literally. Every penny. Every penny. Unfortunately. Down to down to paying off a, like a note on a used vehicle. They were able to track the money to. It makes zero sense that they didn't track more money here and where they did. it went. I think they did. Or they don't want to know because they're. You're not wrong about the don't want to know. It, you don't ask questions you don't want to know the answer to. You don't want like, to know the answers to. It reminds and you me don't of, necessarily want other people involved. I, it reminds me of women when they know their husband's cheating, they ignore it, right? Because they don't really want to know the answer. 
They don't dig and find out because they don't really want to know the answer. And that's what I see when I see SLED. They didn't. And, and the feds are doing the same exact thing. If not, I think that it encompasses a lot of very fancy people. And that's why they don't ask. Michael uh, DeWitt, let me ask you a question. So Sarah Zari, criminal defense attorney from Los Angeles, she now has a podcast with uh, Jim Griffin of Alec Murdoch fame, Murdoch fame, presumptive podcast together. And she tweeted at me. I'm going to read the tweet to you. Some of this goes over my head here. Uh, she says, we hope you, in relation to Stephen Smith, we hope you highlight how the Smith story of a roadside vehicular manslaughter became a national story because of the rumors it had to do with the Murdochs and Sandy's letter to the FBI regarding the same, only to know when their lawyer says the opposite admitting his own statements were false. I'm assuming she's talking about Eric Bland there. Um, what do you make of that of that tweet? Uh, she's basically saying it only became a story because of these accusations about the Murdoch's involvement. Well, I can't speak as, uh, on Eric Bland's tweets. I, um, you know, I don't know what, what he said. Uh, every single statement, uh, Eric likes to talk to the press, and that's good at times if, if he's your – He's your lawyer. He's very vocal. So I can't uh, necessarily, um, you know, uh, recall every single statement he's made. And um, and that's his business. I'm not going to address that. But uh, her point about it being connected to the Murdochs, um, it's kind of a, a complicated thing. I mean, the rumor of the Murdoch connection may have hurt the investigation in the beginning, whether it's true or not. But the rumor of Murdoch connection is what's going to help. It's what's going to push officials to solve this case. So if um, officials solve this case, whether or not it's connected to the Murdochs or not, I think that's a good outcome. Uh, I feel deeply sorry if, if Buster Murdoch's name has been put out there um, for years falsely. Uh, you know, I certainly feel feel for him. Um, but uh, I guess to answer, you know, her question, um, I think the outcome right now is, is, you know, Buster's name can't get any more slandered. If he's not guilty, his name can't get any more slandered. And I certainly don't want to slander his name. Amy, hang, connection. Yeah, Amy hang, on hang tight for one sec, because a woman named Carla on Twitter responded to Sarah and said, and I want you to respond to this, Amy, I'm certain you've read the 2015 uh, sled report and have seen for yourself the name Murdoch 40 plus times throughout that report. Sandy's 2016 letter was based largely on the same findings and leads. Whether any Murdoch, anyone else mentioned in the sled report or anyone not yet mentioned was involved in Stephen Smith's death, we will soon know. But she's making the point the Murdoch's name was mentioned 40 plus times. So Seems like there was reason to right to assume well, that they might. When I when I when I see that 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 tweet, I want to say text that tweet. Are we supposed to be grateful for the Murdochs? That's what it feels like. Like, well, you know, um, uh, Miss Smith wouldn't know what happened to her son, and there would be no justice if his name wasn't involved. That's what it feels like. Am I losing my mind? Does anybody feel that? Like we should be grateful that the Murdoch's name came up forty times because we would just not know. I mean. The, I, I can. I mean, I can. I can, I can totally. Young man. 
Yeah. And what it comes down to is, y'all, this is the reality of the world we live in, that poor gay kids don't get the same justice that the Murdochs get or Amy Lovely gets, right? If something happened to me, we'd have it all over the paper. You know what I mean? I'm a white lady. I'm a, a lawyer. They're going to all come out of the woodwork. But like, this is the reality of the world we live in, that this is what happens to the, you know, to the least among us, to the people who are not the elites, to the non-Murdochs, to the non-Lovelies. I mean, this is the reality we live in. And we're not going to be grateful because the Murdoch name was mentioned 40 times. The, the reason why the Murdoch's name was mentioned 40 times is because there's smoke, there's fire, and there's something there. And I'm not saying that they're responsible for it, but I'm saying that they know something about it, and uh, they're tied to it in some way. Whether they did it, they know about it, they've said something, but your name doesn't come up 40 times in a death investigation if there's not something that you didn't know nothing, right? That's a very Southern colloquial thing. You didn't know nothing. And that's just the reality of life. And Michael, oh, um, and go, go ahead, Taylor. Go ahead. So you mentioned you didn't know, know nothing, right? You didn't know nothing. Well, your family is the, assist, is the head solicitor. There. How convenient. How, how has information not reached at that level about the death of a, a the solicitors was probably involved at some point in time. Uh, his father was um, at, at, at this. And what information did he take to his, his grave? We, we don't know that answer. Um, you know, back to Michael saying it, it may not be what people want the answer to be because people want the answer to be sexy. They want it to be a, a Myrtle. That, that's what they want. That's what the news wants. That's what people that sell, uh, that's what they want. And, and it might not be that. It might be something like obstruction. It, it, if you're talking four or five people know something didn't, that to me sounds conspiracy. That to me sounds something that information wasn't was it passed down? And I'm going back to what we talked about. Uh, but the family was the head prosecutor in that town. For I live in a small town as well, uh, not as small as, as Hampton, but in Lexington, in the town of Lexington, I hear things. I'm, I'm just an attorney, but I hear things. To the fact that the head solicitor didn't hear things, like I, okay, I hear things. Sure. I walked down my street. We had some a, a fella down down the road that uh, I, I don't know what happened, but it's alleged that he committed suicide in his house uh, last week. Um, was, I was hearing rumors about this within hours in a text thread of uh, I'd never seen the guy before. I, I had seen his husband before, his uh, partner before. I had never seen the guy before. I, I knew his partner walked his dog down the road on a regular basis, but I was getting messages. You can't tell me that there were not rumors being, you know, that the family had not heard something with their father being the head solicitor in the town at the time. You, you can't tell me that, that he's not getting information from cops. You know, I, there was, a stupid sign that was put up over in West Columbia. So it's called legs and eggs. And it, it was the dumbest thing ever, but I got 
and it was apparently supposed to have gone to Orangeburg County. And I'm getting text messages about a picture of a place called Legs and Eggs. Now, you're going to tell me there's not a, a death, uh, you know, involving uh, someone in this small town that messages aren't being passed around about. I don't believe that for one second. People had information. And part of me thinks is like they didn't tell information. They obstructed and said lies about the information. That's kind of where I feel the, the investigation is going there. But, you know, again, I'm not intimately connected. Other people have better information. I just look at it from the outside as to, to that portion of it. And uh, I think we, we've got to switch over to Mallory uh, Beach. I want to get that into before we uh, wind things up. But um, just a reminder that uh, Sandy Smith, Stephen's mother, in her letter to the FBI said that Stephen had on more than one occasion mentioned to friends and his twin sister that he was involved romantically with someone from a prominent family in the county who was hiding his sexuality. Uh, he said it would shock people to know this person was gay. We suspect this could be the young man Stephen was referring to, though he never named him. Um, again, uh, Michael, I don't want to get you in trouble here, but have you, have you tried to, to, you know, dig down into that reporting um have have you is that something that you've pursued at all to try to find out who that could be i i'm gonna stay away from that question um that's probably the, a good uh, idea yeah that's uh i'll let somebody else field that question but i do want to circle back just a second the um the think about a small town dynamic the and think about how rumors spread. I think what we're going to find is there is some connection to the Murdoch name, whether it be the person or persons who did it are friends of the Murdochs, or whether it be, okay, maybe there was a Murdoch in the vehicle, somebody else was driving. I think when the rumors started, and this is an educated guess on, on what I know about Hampton and small towns in this case, you know, I think when the rumors started, it was something like, okay, a friend of Buster's did something. And as it spreads from one mouth to the next, uh, that Murdoch name gives it more power. So by the time it gets around town, it's not a friend of Buster or it's not a friend of the Murdochs. It's the Murdochs. So that could be explained the whole, um, the, the whole worst name of telephone uh, ever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you've seen the experiment where you whisper in somebody's ear and by the time it goes around the room, it's completely changed. Uh, so and I think people are seeing conspiracies behind every every tree. You know, there's and I don't think that it's going to be what they want it to be. As far as the sexuality, I've tried not to. You know, I want to avoid some lawsuits. so I've tried to stay away from that. And, but and, it's certainly reasonable in small towns. Yeah. Well, I just I just think it's interesting, you know, with these accusations flying around about the Murdoch and, and what's that? I hope and I pray that Buster Murdoch had nothing to do with this because unpopular opinion. I feel sorry for Buster Murdoch. I, the mother in me, the idea that he would lose his entire family and, and then his father and knowing that his that's like got to be the hardest thing to live with in the entire world. And it absolutely breaks my heart when I see all these people, when it's just rumor and innuendo, um, until there's like any hard facts to be like, it's Buster, it's Buster, it's Buster. You know what I mean? And I mean, he's been through so much. Can we just give him the benefit of the doubt until 
there's something there not to. You know what I mean? I, I think I think until the evidence points directly at him, yeah. uh, that's what you, that's what you've got to do. Uh, Sally says, "When are we going to discuss Mallory Beach?" Right now, uh, for those who don't know, uh, she died February twenty fourth, twenty nineteen, in a boating accident. She was thrown from the boat, um, piloted by a or captain, I guess, by uh, what was suspected to be a heavily. And uh, when you see him on video, you can understand why heavily intoxicated then. 19-year-old Paul Murdoch, they hit a bridge piling around 2 in the morning. She was missing for seven days. The body was eventually found. Uh, worst fears were confirmed. The mother of Mallory Beach and other families filed a uh, suit in March of 2019. Uh, Taylor Bell, this was in the 16th Judicial Circuit, uh, Judge Daniel D. Hall. I don't know if you're familiar with this person, but it appears that they're finally going to go to trial. Um, how do these? How does this all play out, in your opinion? Um, I, I know we we actually tried to get Mark Tinsley, the family attorney, to come on. He wanted to, but said he's going to have to defer till after the trial. But what, what's going on right now ahead of all this, Taylor? Well, I actually pulled up the public index to look at some of the filings, uh, and it looks like there was actually a filing to disqualify Mark Tinsley filed recently. Um, <laughs> they said he was a witness in his own case, right? Yeah, yeah. there was like a filing to, and I think it got filed yesterday to disqualify him as, as, as representing uh, the family in that matter. But, but based on what? Based on what? Boss, did, you know how boss you have to be and how scary you have to be that they're trying to take you out personally like that? That is awesome. I, I once had a solicitor try to move me off of a case. It was pretty funny. Me too. The judge, yeah. the judge la laughed. It was great. Um, but, you know, where do I see this going? I, you know, I think that Mark wants justice, and justice is having the full case shown. I, I really believe that's what, what it, the family wants here. I think Mallory's family is not necessarily caring about the money. I think they care about seeing it through and through and that justice is done for their daughter. Okay. I think, they want I think everybody else after Mallory from Parker's because yes. this is their MO. They serve kids with fake IDs. They do. Uh, I'm not saying they do, but like. Well, it's interesting you brought that up because Parker's came out um, for a they're they're looking for a summary judgment and dismissal of the case, saying, "Look, uh, Paul yeah, Murdoch, that guy. yeah, but they but said they said that he used a real ID, which was his brother's ID, um, but but I mean, they, they Taylor got, Fitt, that got denied. But yeah. you know, I look at it. I, I go back to my days when I was Paul's age, and I, I lived on the coast up there, just north of where." Uh, where Amy lives. I lived up in Ocean Isle Beach. We used to ride from uh, Ocean Isle down the intercoastal waterway to Barefoot Landing. Okay. And, and we used to make some dumb decisions. Now, what was anyone on that boat with me when we used to go down there and, and underage drink and, and drive, ride the boat? And did we act the manner in which Paul acted? You, you've kind of seen the testimony from some of the Netflix documentaries. That that's just outrageous. That is absolutely outrageous. That the way that that is portrayed, if that is true, and I think that's what wants to be shown, um, but to 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 the public that that she 
you know, she was destroyed by this kid that was privileged and had access to all of this stuff, uh, all this money and had no rules, never had to abide by any rules. And he could go into the gas station, and get whatever he wanted because the entire community enabled his conduct uh, and, and the way he acted. And Parker's, if you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't go in with a fake ID and purchase alcohol at a young age. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And I know most of us, you know, that, that went to college had access to fake IDs, but there bears some responsibility when somebody's life is taken by someone that's entrusted to to sell these products that can cause, you know, cause impairment uh, and someone's got to be held responsible. And I think that's what Mark's Mark's doing here and it's going to play out. And I think it's going to come out in his favor at the end of the day. Uh, and, and Parker's got deep, deep pockets. I think I read something where they that's are going sure. to have somewhere about a billion dollar in sales this upcoming year. That is I mean, that's a lot of damn money. I, I see. I disagree. I don't think this is about really about. Um, I don't. I don't think. I think Mark wants to show what really happened. But I think that this, and we know it's not about. There is not a dollar. People are like, you know, blah blah blah. This is. There's not a dollar amount that would make any of this okay. And with losing your child in such a horrific way, right? I don't even think this is about Paul. This is about Parker's and this is about protecting every kid after Mallory, sure. right? With Parker's. So the real value of this case, at least the way I see it, is the failure of the system of Parker's, right? That they had a, um, a history of not really carding, um, letting underage kids buy beer, that kind of thing, and not really caring about it and just continuing on with what they were doing. And so... I think the, also the real value of this case is what that jury is going to hear is that all the really, sorry, fucked up, shitty stuff there. that Parker's did to try to take down the Murdochs, the Beach family, and all the kids on that boat. And that is where the value of that case is because what they did and what they have done and continue to do is unfucking. It's, it's unfucking believable that they're arguing that it's her fault that she got into the fucking boat because she should have known that he was drunk and that it was an assumed risk. That is the most insane I mean, argument. Putting, putting insane argument I've ever heard. Like if you told me that and that was my child, we would not be in court, sir. We would be having a conversation on the front lawn if you sat there and said that my daughter was responsible for her own death because she got into the fucking boat with somebody that happened to be drinking and, and, and he was angry and ran into a pole and wouldn't stop after he, oh you would and then you go and hire private I, mean, I was gonna say to South Carolina but then North Carolina has come out in full oh, force now. No my North neck Carolina. is getting all red. Okay Amy Amy while I have you value of this case because Parker's hired private investigators try to prove that Buster's gay or try to prove that these kids were horrible or that Paul is like this, whatever. And instead of just taking responsibility, it's because this is a deal. We can all wrap our mind around making a mistake and, and selling a kid beer, right? And you look the family in the eye and you say, I'm so sorry. 
because this is how you defend that case as Parker's is never again will this ever happen. We are putting these safeguards in place. That way it will never happen because we can all during, we can all wrap our mind around a mistake, but we take accountability for it. We look people in the eye and we apologize and we put systems in place where it'll never happen again. But Parker's didn't do that. Parker's doubled down. Parker's blamed the victims. They blamed the sweet little Mallory Beach and her sweet little parents. And like, it just makes me cry thinking about it. Like the hell that they have put that family through that was totally needless. And if they had just looked at that family and said, I'm so incredibly sorry, never again, we're doing this to fix it, to make sure there's never another Mallory Beach, that family would have felt okay about it and probably so for a very, uh, you know, way lower value of the case than it probably is worth. But they didn't. And instead, they did the the wrong. I'm a big fan of when you do the right thing, the rest follows in life. I mean, I live by that. I teach my kids by that. I run my office like that. And and when I see Parkers, they're the exact opposite of that. I will not go to a Parkers. They have the nicest, cleanest bathrooms in South Carolina, for the record. I refuse. I refuse to go in that place. I refuse to give them a nickel of my money because of the horrific things that they have done to the Beach family. And they can suck it. Amy, Sorry. uh... I love the way you get passionate. We're going to wrap up in a minute because I right, feel you know, I'm gonna cry. someone okay. was knocking on Michael DeWitt's door 20 minutes ago. So I got to let this guy <laughs> go in a second. But um, this has come up a bunch in the chat, Amy. I would not ask Michael uh, this question because I don't want to get him in more trouble, trouble than he's already in in Hampton County. But do you believe that Alex confessed to Randy or any of the Murdochs uh, and help uh, they and he helped him get rid of the guns? Um do you think he told anyone in the family what really happened? Do you think anyone knows the truth right now? Not Randy. <laughs> Not Randy. Could it sound any more Southern than that? Not Randy. No, no I don't. I'll, I mean, I just don't. If he did, I don't think it was Randy. I think if he was going to tell anybody, he'd have told John Marvin. Um, I don't ahead, think Michael. with this crime, uh, I'm, if he had help, I think it was uh, some of his connections. Um, there's a couple of police officers that have, names have been thrown out there. Um, but uh, he would not tell a Murdoch that he just killed another Murdoch. That, Don't that, you think you it's know. weird though, Michael? Have you listened to the jailhouse calls? Mm -hmm. They talk in code. They're talking in code. Hey, Buster, you want to you want to go down there and uh, you want to go down there and uh, and hunt? You gonna go hunt? You know, no, uh, you can bird. And then it's like it goes back and forth between, and it's like different seasons. You know, you're from the south when you understand when space talking about hunting deer and hunting birds and hunting whatever at the same time. You know that ain't right, right? Like they're different seasons. So when you're saying it, just feels very contrived, and it feels like they're talking in code. And he does that with John Marvin. Once again, knowing what I know about the family and that family dynamic and that family history, um, they might talk in code and conspire about other things, but I don't think he's conspiring with his brothers to kill. Oh, if no. It, if it was just Maggie, if it was just Maggie, then he might could go to one of his brothers and say, hey, I did it. Can you cover up the crime? The Can you hide think, the yeah, maybe. We're talking about Paul. They loved Paul more than they loved Alex. Oh, I think, um, yeah, if we didn't get anything yeah. from testimony. He's not going to ask that. John Marvin to, to hide a weapon that he shot Paul with. John Marvin loved that boy. So, yeah, I, I think that answers that question. Now, stolen money, something, I'm not going to put anything past anybody. But as far as once he, you know, and a wife, that's, that's kind of different. But once he pulled the trigger on Paul, he was no longer a Murdoch. He was a man on his own. He was, like the judge said, the monster you became. 
I, and I think, he's not asking a Murdoch for help. I, I think that was the part that I could, I was team not guilty for the longest time, like Amy Z and everybody would laugh at me and our, our lawyer text messages. Cause I just didn't want to believe that someone would kill their kid like that. You know what I mean? At all, much less like that. You know what I mean? That was the hard part to wrap my mind around. Look um, at the testimony. Uh, he told several people with Paul gone. Now he can, uh, oh. he can clear his name and, and beat the boat case. Uh, um, the testimony, his testimony yeah. coupled yeah. with the GPS. Yeah. I hope he dies a very slow death and somebody shanks him and he bleeds out. Yeah. Michael, by the way, uh, Murdoch, Alec, is supposed to be uh, deposed in this wrongful death lawsuit. Any word on when that might happen? Have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything, but I, I do want to circle back to Mallory Beach. I'm glad you asked. Um, and I, I'm going to avoid the, the the spicy sentence enhancers that my my <laughs> friends use. I do. Those are some of my favorite words. Uh, <laughs> um, but as since I'm representing my media company, I'm not. I'm going to refrain from 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 that. Good call. Um, but my wife uses one or two of those words every now and then. Um, I think we're, you heavily debated Parker's. They think uh, some of the things they've done. Um, you know, we'll let the judge and the jury decide what's what at the end of the day. But uh, this goes to Hampton County. This goes to trial in Hampton County on August 14th, unless there's some change. And my prediction is a Hampton County jury. They're going to be very sympathetic to, to the family of Mallory Beach. And just like uh, state police are maybe looking to redeem themselves or after this whole story, I think Hampton County wants some redemption. I think Hampton County is going to, uh, the, the 12 people, you know, you can't predict what 12 people are going to say or do, but I think as a whole, this jury is going to say, hey, this maybe is our way of making things right. We're going to, we're going to give a good verdict. Um, we're not going to concern ourselves with every detail of the law. Maybe, maybe Parker's might have a legal argument here or there. Who knows? Good. But if we help bring justice to Mallory Beach's death, maybe in some way this will absolve us as a community. And um, this is our way of kind of making things right. That's that's my prediction. Hampton County, the jury is going to want to do the right thing, and um, I hope that's what happens. Devon Short, uh, thank you for the super sticker. She is uh, echoing everyone's sentiments. Great panel. Uh, followed by this. I blame this squarely on one person. Joel, could you guys not yell? Um, that would have to be uh, passionate Amy Lawrence Lovely. But what, look, that, what, yeah, what, what can you do? What can you do? Um, some A bunch of people, Michael, were asking if you know if Buster and Alec are still speaking uh, or are still in touch with each other. Uh, it's been a wild show, so I forgot if I already asked you that. I apologize apologize if I did. But as far as you know, are they still in contact? I haven't pursued that, so I, I, I don't know. <coughs> Excellent. Um, I'm with go that, with a, I have no facts to back this up, but I'm going to go with a yes. Uh, there you go. I like uh, going out on a limb. Taylor Bell went out on a limb for me today coming on the show. He is a former prosecutor, now a criminal defense attorney. He started back at his days at the University of South Carolina School of Law, and uh, guy knows all about jury persuasion. He got training on that. Uh, Taylor, will, will we get justice for Stephen Smith, and will uh, Mallory Beach's family, uh, I guess, make, uh, you know, get, get justice in their own way in this uh, 
wrongful death suit. Uh, I'm about to die over here on whatever. What? Your last word. Um, yeah, I think we'll get justice for Stephen Smith. Um, I do. Um, I want to believe that at least. Um, I believe he deserves justice. Um, I think Mallory Beach's family deserves justice. I think they will get justice. Um, I think what Parker did, I think what Paul did, I think what his family did by knowing that their son was out there and trusting him with that vehicle, knowing that they're out there drinking and being irresponsible, having all the prior incidences that he had had, um, that <clears throat> that there will be justice and that Mallory Beach did not die in, in vain. Uh, that that there will maybe be protections put in place of high, higher standards on making sure um, that that those responsible for selling beverage alcoholic beverages or any kind of substance that's intoxicating have uh, better safeguards. I think that that will come out down the road. Um, I think it's something that has to. Uh, I think alcohol is more dangerous than the marijuana out there. Uh, I think it causes uh, more harm. Uh, to folks than, than any any marijuana that can be smoked um, in terms of the, the anger that it brings out in people. And I think that th there will be justice at the end at, by Mark Tinsley by showing how, how she didn't die in vain and hold the parties responsible uh, that were negligent in the matter. Um, yeah, I, I do. I, I, I firmly believe that. Um, I think that the Hampton County jury will do the right thing. I don't think that Parker's will get 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 by uh, scot free. I don't think it's going to be um, a quick decision because there's going to be an appeal process. There absolutely will appeal it, uh, and it'll make its way through because they're going to fight tooth and nail everything because they don't want to be held responsible in the future because this can lay bad precedent for folks in, in, in the future that own similar businesses, um, that, that these, if they're held responsible, all other businesses are now going to be held responsible and there's going to be a flood of lawsuits over very similar conduct. That's the argument that's made on the other side all the time. And, and that's what they're going to try to portray. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think justice will prevail. It, it just when the trial's over, doesn't mean it's going to be done and over with because they're definitely going to file an appeal because I think you're going to see a very, very substantial verdict. Uh, very, very substantial verdict. I think our friend um, uh, down, I think there was a, there was a verdict uh, up there in Myrtle beach recently at a water park that was absolutely, if you knew the ins and outs of what happened there, it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened. Uh, and I think you're going to see the same thing here. Amy Lawrence, she fights for the civil rights. Uh, you got to get that uh, those allergies or whatever that is checked out, Taylor. We we need you around. But uh, Amy Lawrence, <laughs> I want to know when the watermelon festival is. I, I meant to ask Michael that. Michael, um, where's the watermelon know. festival, Michael? It is next week, and uh, Taylor, I feel your your pain. I I had pollen allergies throughout the whole Murdoch murder trial. If you heard coughing in the background of the whole trial, that was me. Um, yeah. Do we have ripe watermelons yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Taylor, you better get over there. Uh, meanwhile, Amy Lawrence, she fights well, for the civil rights Louis. <laughs> of the wrongfully accused every day in her practice at the lovely law firm. 
Cheryl Chamberlain, I was surprised about all of the F-bombs. I've never heard that language on this channel before. Whenever you see the blonde-haired woman over here from South Carolina, you Red can expect next. that. We got to get we've got to get the wit on this show when he's not uh, representing his company, so we can uh, hear him go at it as well. But uh, Amy Lawrence, same questions to you: uh, Will Stephen Smith get justice? Will Mallory Beach's family get uh, that big settlement and some justice in their own right? I, I think um, Taylor said it best. It's like, don't we hope? Like. We work in this system, right, where we represent the marginalized, the little guy. And I don't, I don't represent anybody, any rich people. I've never represented rich people, right? I don't represent, I represent people who've been hurt by the system usually. And that's the whole reason we do what we do. So those people have some sort of justice, whatever that looks like, whether it's, you know, so for justice for some people is, and it might be for the Beach family that their story is told, right? And it might be because I just I, and and that there's no other kid that this ever happens to because they're going to do better and, and it's going to send uh, a message and a ripple through all, everybody who serves alcohol. Justice that might be justice for them, whatever that looks like. But we're all working towards this goal of some kind of justice, and the idea that they wouldn't get it is more than my little heart can handle. Because we've got the Smith family who, God bless that mother, who is like a mom warrior, who would not take no for an answer, who asked, I mean, who's writing the governor, like it makes me, it breaks my heart. Who's writing the governor asking for help, right? Help me. My kid died. No one wants to figure it out. She kept up, you know, wrote all the letters, did all the things, talked to all the media, doing all the things that she's supposed to do, the Beach family doing all the things they're supposed to do. So the idea of them not getting justice is more than my heart can handle. So I think they're definitely going to get justice. Um, I pray that Miss Smith finds out what, what happened to her little boy because he may have been 20, whatever, but that was her baby, you know, and she deserves that. And that whole family deserves that. And the Beach family deserves that. So I, I, I surely hope so, because I don't want to live in a world where they don't. Well said, Amy. Uh, last but not least, of course, Hampton County native Michael M. DeWitt. He is a multiple award-winning journalist, longtime editor of the 143-year-old The Hampton County Guardian. He's also author of the brand new book, Wicked Hampton County, Wicked Hampton County, Wicked Hampton County. Get on the Amazon and buy that immediately. Uh, Michael, your final thoughts before we say goodbye. It'd be great if you just dropped 20 F-bombs in a row, by the way. But anyway, your final thought. I, I want to so bad. I, um, I really do. I, I, that, that's a, that's a, a very versatile word. Um, It'd be so pretty, too, the way he says it. Yeah. I, and, uh, we, we should have a show sometimes and, and talk about Southern expressions. Um, but anyway, um, I, I, I've never agreed with, with uh, a panel as, as strongly as I do now. I, I like, I love the passion. I really like the passion. Um, the, uh, here's my thoughts in a nutshell. Um, I think that a Hampton County jury is going to um, give justice to the Beach family. I think it will send a message. I think the Parker's attorneys uh, will fight tooth and nail and appeal it. But ultimately, I think justice will be served with Stephen Smith. I think they're going to find answers and justice. And it may not be the answers that everybody's looking for, but I think they're going to find them. And they're going to find them before the end of the summer. 
But the big picture, I think we're already starting to see it. You've already touched on it. Regardless of what a jury of 12 people decides, regardless of whether or not Stephen Smith, which I hope there's an arrest, I hope there's a conviction. But if I'm wrong, I think we're already starting to see the 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 most important thing happen. I think this is a these are two very important lessons here. Um, the dangers of alcohol and uh, you know companies that sell alcohol should be more responsible. People that consume alcohol should should you know um, be more responsible. So I think there's so many lessons we can learn from the boat crash case that. Um, and, and reforms. I, I hope that with the outcome of this, companies like Parker's will take a strong look at how they um, how they sell alcohol and to who. And with Stephen, uh, a, a gay kid in a small town, I think this is already I've talked to friends of his and they've already talked about how this has inspired them and emboldened them to come out and to be who they are. Stephen was an individual. I wish I could have met him, but he was not afraid or ashamed to be who he was, to be openly gay in a small conservative town. And I think that is very powerful stuff. And I think that once we have some answers and justice, I think you're going to see some changes in small town like Hampton, you know, um, young people are going to be not be afraid to be who they are. And maybe we'll see a change in the justice system where maybe a Stephen Smith can get the same brand of justice as a Buster Murdoch. We can only and, hope. Uh, Jill, Jill Schneider said it. DeWitt is a true journalist. You heard it here first. Those were his predictions for how this all plays out. Uh, Amy Lawrence, lovely. Can you address this real quick? Uh, and I'll be back in one split sec. Oh, yeah, it's definitely bless your heart. I also like, I love that for you. <laughs> we always say, we always say, I remember my grandmother saying that. And I'm like, mm. if, my, if that came out of my grandmother's mouth, we all went, mm, sat at, mm. I like Michael's idea. We need to do a, a whole show on Southern expressions. That, by the way, that me Hanging getting in up like here in a biscuit. I don't even know what that means, but I just had to let Ethel out. That's my boxer. <laughs> I can't wait to move into my studio where I can be in peace. We're moving into a real studio. I'm up, upgrading myself and uh, can't wait for the day. In the meanwhile, I'm reading chat messages, hosting a podcast. And letting Ethel, the boxer with the world's longest tongue, out to do her business. Um, quick programming note. What a professional show this is. 12.30 p.m., a, a live lunch show tomorrow. And we have the spokesperson for Corey Richens. If you don't know who that is, she is the Salt Lake City, Utah mom, suburbs of Salt Lake City, accused of poisoning to death her husband, Eric Richens. Uh, she was denied bail earlier in the week, and she started sobbing in court. And we're going to talk to the family spokesperson, Greg Scordis, of Eric Richen's family. We also have a uh, psychologist on the show to see exactly what is going on there. If you're having some spousal uh, disagreements, don't poison them. Just uh, Don't do just it, girl. A, don't do it. Get a divorce. Until then, love you, America. Thank you to our beautiful panel. Thank you to the Palmetto State uh, and the Battle of North and South Carolina accents, along with the Jersey accent. And uh, love you, Australia, the UK, Canada, Israel, all these countries represented. And I, Kenya was on the other day. Until tomorrow.
Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.